Uh, my name is Chris Shinnick. <laughs> I just caught on to that one. <laughs> My name is Chris Shinnick. Um, about 19 months ago, planted a church about five hours south of here. Uh, it seems to be where all of Alabama goes for spring break, right near Destin, Florida. Um, so we're down there in a little town called Niceville, Mana Church. Um, we're actually following uh, military families around the globe, and that's kind of our part, part of our strategy. But having a great time as an ARC church plant, been to many of these conferences, and uh, so glad you're here. Um, behind me is Mark and Cindy Sturmer. And uh, the Sturmer tribe, which they'll all introduce at some point. And um, you need to know this, planted a church uh, out of Healing Place Church, Pastor Dino Rizzo's church in Louisiana, there in southeast Louisiana, about 11 years ago. And now I have uh, seven campuses and four schools. And it was eight years ago. Was it only eight years ago? Awesome. Um, uh, you know, international nonprofit things going on around the world, just doing a phenomenal job. But they really probably could be leading any app session available. Um, they probably could do a whole conference on every aspect of church growth. But you probably know the reason they're here. It's for this kind of legacy sitting on stage. And when I uh, told my wife and showed her the app sessions, and at that point we didn't even know where I got, I get, I'd get to host one, uh, she said, go to that one and take lots of notes. So my wife's at home with our nine and six and three-year-old and, and with one more uh, brewing. And uh, this is what ministry is about. I was just sharing with Mark. Um, man, in, in the 20 months of doing a church plant, I could have made a lot of dumb decisions, and, and so many of the right decisions came back to what does my family need right now? And to see somebody this many years into ministry and kids, I just asked them all, looked them in the eye, do you love mom and dad? They said yes. So, but the fun part is you're going to get to ask questions in about 40 minutes directly to the kids or to mom and dad. So put your hands together, give, give an arc welcome to Mark and Cindy Sturmer. How's everybody doing? Good? Good, good. We're going to have fun. Who has kids in here? Hence, that's why you're in this session, right? <laughs> Who has uh, small kids in here? Say, uh, let's say, uh, what, Cindy? Five and, five and under, five and under. We will have a special prayer session for you guys. <laughs> we have a, a couple, we have three of these married, and we'll talk about that in a second, but we have grandkids and different things. And Cindy, you had three kids uh, that were in diapers at one time. Is that correct? Yes, three kids in diapers at one time and two not walking at one time. So we had our first five in just six and a half years. I literally kept her barefooted and pregnant <laughs> the whole time. Man, that's awesome. You're an incredible woman, I tell you. Come on, eight children. She birthed eight children. Isn't that amazing? She's incredible. Love Cindy, my wife. Beautiful. And, uh, but I tell you, you know, uh, ministry and children is so important. I see we have some of our campus pastors here. Uh, I'd, you know, Pastor Pitts and Tashante's there. Candace, one of our campus pastors. Who else we, I saw in here? Pastor Galen. Pastor Galen, another one. So thank you guys for being in here. But, you know, family is just so important because uh, God's called us uh, to not just reach the world, but to also reach our kids. You know, one of the things God showed me is he sacrificed his, sacrificed his son so we wouldn't have to sacrifice ours. You know, the first ministry is really the family. And hopefully, guys, you know, we're going to do some question and answers and we're going to, you know, have fun. And uh, we're just hoping you can learn a little something that's going to help you, uh, that's going to help you be the mom and dad uh, that you, you need to be to your kids. Because, you know, it's, it's sad. I was on a plane one time and 
you know, I flew around a lot. I did world missions and uh, for quite a few years, and I was going out of the home a lot. But I remember being on a plane, and I was sitting beside this young lady, and she, you know, she told me she was an atheist. She saw me reading my Bible, and she said she was an atheist, and her dad was a pastor. And I just, my heart broke because here we are, you know, reaching the world. And I knew that her dad had been praying on his knees. So I did my best to be the best witness I could to her while we had those few hours on that plane. Because one of the things that I want to see when I'm in heaven is not just Jesus Christ. I want to see all these guys up there with me. Can I get an amen? amen? And you can't, you know, you can't sacrifice the home for the sake of ministry. And I think that's when our children, you know, this session, uh, they talked about it being a session uh, teaching your children to love ministry or love church. Uh, we called it navigating your children through ministry. Because uh, if, if, if we put the ministry just above them uh, all the time, you have to do it some of the time. But you can't do it all of the time. Does that make sense? There's, there's times that I have to tell them no because of the ministry but I better have times where I'm telling them yes and the ministry no. And so we have to, we have to do that. And hopefully you're going to learn some things uh, from us uh, that will help you in your walk. And I will say this, that uh, we're, we have the whole gamma. We have two of the kids that aren't even here. So we have age 11 uh, all the way through age 25. And uh, we have grandkids and we have people married, people not married. Uh, we still have five at home. And so whatever area in life that you're in, guess what? We've been there. <laughs> we like, we like raise kids three times. We kind of had three sets come through. And our last three, the older ones actually, uh, they talk about how they're more like our grandkids than they are our kids. Is that true? Yeah. Well, that's because we, did, we didn't know nothing when we had you guys. <laughs> I mean, if you get three shots at something, how many, you know, you, 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 you're going to end up doing okay. And so, but, you know, hopefully you can learn something. And, and guys, at the end of the day, it's really the grace of God. You know, the scripture, actually, it's in uh, Psalms 127.1. One, it says, unless the Lord build a house, right? They who labor, labor in vain. And so, at the end of the day, it is the grace of God that we pray and we just believe God that our children are going to love him. And they're going to love one another, and they're going to love God's people, and they're going to do God's work. There are arrows in our quiver that we just shoot out to make a difference in the world. And so it's the grace of God. However, it's also our responsibility. Every promise has an if to it, is we have to do the right things in training them. There's another scripture in Proverbs 22.6. says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so that's a promise, that if we train them up, in the way they should go, even when they get older, they're going to still be serving God. As a matter of fact, I tell my children all the time, the greatest testimony is not the one my wife and I have, where she was an alcoholic, you know, I broke, uh, you know, all 13 commandments, about every commandment you can break, I, I broke it, and, uh, and then some, some that wouldn't even written, and, uh, and God saved us, and he turned our lives around. But the greatest testimony is not that. The greatest testimony is they started serving God at a very young age, and they never stopped serving God. And when they're my age and got gray hair like this, they're going to be still serving God. I mean, you know, that's what it's all about. 
And that's what God wants. That's what he wants for your children. We're actually going to pray. We're going to pray for you guys uh, at the end, Cindy. We'll make sure we have time to pray for you guys, to pray for your families. Because I'll tell you what, the grace of God, but the training, knowing and, and understanding what to do. You know, it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be an experiment. The Bible is really clear on what we should be doing. And so we're going to, I want to just encourage you in that. And also, Cindy, we have a gift too of uh, laying hands on people. We just had another couple, couldn't have a baby at all. And we prayed over them and we've done this many, many, many times. And they they get pregnant like that. (laughs) And so uh, anybody want to get pregnant? (laughs) Cindy? Cindy? Cindy and I will we'll pray for you, and uh, next year when we come back to Ark, we'll see the baby. It'll be. <laughs> It'll be great. Shaking hands is safe. But I want to say, uh, Cindy's. Shaking hands is safe. <laughs> what you said? I don't know. Shaking hands with Cindy, you might end up pregnant, ladies. I'm just telling you. Okay, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, hey, and that's how you grow to church. You don't just grow to church by evangelism. You grow to church by turning the lights down. Can I get an amen? People, people ask me all the time, man, you love kids? No, I love my wife. That's why we have kids. Speaking of the kids, okay. And you, <laughs> we want answers. And look, when you do your church count, you. count that. You count future kids. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's good. But let me introduce Cindy, and she's going to introduce the kids. Uh, Cindy is an incredible woman, uh, loves the Lord, great leader, speaker, phenomenal speaker. Uh, she cooks, she sings, she hunts, she does all of the maintenance around the house. I give her the to-do list. Come on, somebody. I mean, this is a woman right here. You know, she, that's why we're from Louisiana. I got a good Louisiana woman, right? And so, but she loves the Lord, loves Jesus, great mom. You know, she does all of that and she never lets anything fall. I will say this. She is the most godly person I've ever met in my whole life. And I'll also say, and I think the kids can bear witness with this. I've never seen her had a bad day. She's never had a bad day because she trusts in Jesus and she loves the Lord. And so why don't y'all really, really show a a warm welcome to my wife, my woman, Cindy Sturmer. Come on. I will say this, you know, a lot of people, they'll ask, God, eight kids, did you want eight kids? You know, was that in the plan? I said, no, <laughs> I grew up, I did not like kids. Isn't that funny, you know? Um, but I mean, the Lord had a different plan, you know, and this is what he had planned for us. So in saying that, you know, we, um, I have a great husband and let me tell you, I couldn't have had eight children without him. You know, not physically, just physically, but he is, okay, he is a great, great, great godly man of God. You know, every morning our kids would see him, you know, if they were up early enough on his face every morning, never missing a morning, you know, and so when you have that, it's easy to have eight children, you know. Um, but anyway, in saying that, we love our kids, and so we want to go ahead and start introducing them. Okay, and they're going to tell you a little bit about themselves. Our first is our favorite son-in-law, Kevin Dale Brock. <laughs> tell us what you do, Kevin Dale. I how you serve the Lord. Son-in-law. <laughs> but I will be the favorite even after we have more son-in-laws in the family. You just can't tell them that, right? Yeah. She's courting one right now. 
that uh, if I allow him to become a son-in-law, can I right. get amen? But right. it won't be If we first. allow him to become a son-in-law. So. so, yeah, I'm Kevin Brock, um, and I'm over our media and production stuff at the church. And so that's me and what I do. And this is my wife. Yeah, so he's on staff, and he's modest, and does a phenomenal job. We actually have a television uh, worldwide. We're in Israel. We're on TBN across every Russian-speaking country uh, that there is, and I think it's 127 countries. Uh, we're, of course, on television back home as well, and all the events and, and all the different stuff that we do. I mean, he makes sure that looks good, and he does an incredible job along with he and his wife. So. All right, next we have our eldest, um, Sarah Brock. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm the oldest of this crew tribe. Um, I am uh, our media and um, creative project manager, so I try and keep all the creativity organized. And then I'm also worship director um, at one of our campuses. We also have two children, Jaden and Audra. Um, Jaden, our oldest, is four, and our second is going to be three. And we just found out we're expecting number three. <laughs> In December. Mm. So we're in the early stages of having children, but we're not planning on having eight. Just, just. you never know. <laughs> okay, next, I um, have my beautiful daughter-in-law, Ariel, who we call L. Yes, I'm L, uh, short for Ariel. I am Levi's wife, who you will meet next. I'm also um, Pastor Cindy's assistant. So any of her traveling, anything an assistant does, I do that for her. Um, you're introducing the kids. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and I also I help my husband with, he's the worship pastor at our Santa Mall campus, and I help him with any administration stuff that he needs. Um, really just serve with them. And Elle, she also leads worship and does an incredible job. Literally all of my kids sing. So every one of them sing and they play and, you know, they, they, huh? Well, I, I, he doesn't sing. This one doesn't sing. But, 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 you know, they get that from her, not me. You know, they tell me, why don't you sing a solo? Solo that we can't hear you. Okay. <laughs> My voice is for the battlefield, not the parlor, okay? We got that. All right, next we have our son, Levi. What's up, everybody? My name's Levi. I am the worship pastor at Santa Mall Campus, and I'm also the director uh, of all of our original music projects. Uh, like she said, this is my wife, Elle. We have two kids. Uh, our first son, uh, our son's name is Benaya. He's a year and a half, and then we have a daughter named Lyric, and she is... Six and a half months now, it's whatever. And we're not pregnant again. And we're not pregnant again, so. This time we were pregnant again. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, next we have our daughter, Sarai. Hi, everybody. I am my dad's executive assistant, which is always fun. Um, hence, I'm holding his notes for him and everything. And uh, I love it, though. It's, it's great. And I am also a part of our worship team, and I help with worship and everything. And I also don't like kids, but hopefully that doesn't mean I'm going to have eight. <laughs> she is 20. She still lives at the house. Five still live at the house, and she still lives at the house. And so she is single. We'll be taking resumes <laughs> at the door. Any single guys in here? I just want to let you know, 
I require 80 cows, 100 acres of land, and you, and you have to whip me, okay, to get her. I'm trying to convince her to start the church nun ministry. So it's nice having you executive at home. It's good. Run my shoulder bit right there. All right, next we have our son, Josiah. I am Josiah, and this is my wife, Sadie. And we actually got married in July. And I work for our media department for the church and am also part of the worship team. He literally plays uh, all the instruments, does a great job, sets up sound systems anywhere, events uh, in different campuses, and so just very, very versatile. All right, and this is our beautiful daughter-in-law, Sadie. Hi, I'm Sadie. I manage and help do the finances over our schools. We have schools uh, under our church, and so I do the finances of the schools, as well as I'm a part of the church worship team. And we are not expecting either. <laughs> yeah. All right, next we have our daughter, Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm the fifth child of this tribe, and I serve on one of our worship teams as a leader for our student ministry worship team. I'm also a K-3 teacher for our school in Santa Mall, and I'm also on the photography uh, ministry team at the church. And I am courting Peyton, my love. <laughs> and he will be the best brother-in-law to all of them. <laughs> All right, and then we have Nathan. Hey, I'm Nathan. I'm the favorite child, naturally. Um, I am involved in the media team. Like, I, realize, I didn't realize how many of us were involved with media. But anyway, I'm involved with the media team, and I also lead worship for our children's ministry worship team. So, How old are you, ma'am? Fifteen. Good man. Um, also, at home, we had to leave Mercy, who will be 13 in June, um, at home, and then Asa, who is 11, um, and they both also serve in church. They serve in children's, one serves in greeters, um, so they're all very involved. Did y'all notice something that uh, our children, the people they married to are staff? <laughs> they were staff. So when you hire staff, <laughs> you may be hiring... <laughs> Your son-in-law or daughter-in-law, okay? So you want to make sure you hire well, all right? Okay, uh, Cindy, a couple of questions uh, that we want to answer. You know, what are some things we do to keep a uh, healthy balance with ministry and family? Uh, one of the things is we do this at the church. We call it the rhythm of life. And it's, it's really where, you know, they both need attention, not just one. They both need attention. And the rhythm of life is, is things like we make sure that uh, we have a day off every week. We call it our Sabbath. And for us, that's Mondays. And so on Mondays, no matter what's going on, uh, we're not going to be a part of it. Uh, our phones, we uh, turn our phones off and, and we're just at the house. That's our chill time. And that's important. God did not make any of us to run seven days a week. You have to have a day of rest. And so I think that was just real key and uh, with the rhythm of life and, and things that we do and making sure we're home three nights a week. And so we're making sure that we're always home three nights a week. So when we look at our load of what we carry, uh, we take that into account. And so if all the other nights are full, those three nights don't get moved for another project or, you know, to do something else. And so you really have to protect both. And so you protect both the ministry and, and the family 
but it's just a balance. It's really just a balancing act. That's why you have to be very good with the calendar. Right. You know, you may think you're doing pretty good until you write it down. When you write it down on a calendar, you can see. Because you just take seven days, write down all of your things that you're doing and all your routine things, and you're going to be able to see where the holes are. You know, you need, and look, I've done this through experience for trial and error. We're, we're trying this out and see, you know, well, this ain't healthy. This is healthy. And writing that down, and many of the pastors and I just working through this. And, and these things are minimum. You have to have a day off. You have to have three nights that you're going to be home. And there's a, a whole nother list of things that we do. But uh, it's just very important to keep your family healthy. What's some other things like uh, getting them involved early, Cindy? Yeah, so um, one thing that I did, you know, when uh, our, the older ones were younger, um, Mark actually traveled a lot, you know. And I remember um, within a two-month span, he was in, like, four countries. And um, just that one little, you know, one time. But, and so what I did from itty-bitty, I would teach him that we were all called. You know, it's not just dad called to the ministry. Because a child can resent the ministry if they, if they feel that that pulls dad away. And so because he always honored our Sabbaths, you know, and we had the three nights a week at home when he was in town, they realized, wow, I do get dad. And so I would invest in them, always telling them, hey, God didn't just call dad and me, but he called you too. And right now at this point in your life, because our calling looks life, I mean, our calling looks different at different seasons of our life. And so I would tell them right now, what God has for you to do is he needs you to release dad and let him go to do what he's going, what he has called him to do. And when you do that, when you say, Lord, I give daddy to you, bless him, God is going to bless you. And I just kept instilling that, kept instilling that in them. And every now and then I would hear, man, he spends more times with the guys. You know, we have a, it would be called a halfway house, kind of right. Um, you know, I remember once it seems like he spends more times with the guys, you know, and I'd, I'd be able to tell him, no, remember. And I would just tell him all these things. Look, if you give dad, if you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to release my dad so you can use him in whatever way. God is going to bless you. And then they would see it. And as the blessings would come, I would remind them, remember, God is blessing you because you're being obedient to your calling. And we just tell them too, say, look, there's guys that work shift work. They work seven days a week. There's guys that's got to travel out of town. There's, and so, the, you know, this is not unique. Every family, uh, parents have to work, and, and, and so you're not unique in this. Everyone makes a sacrifice in life, and you just have to make yours. And you need to be blessed because yours is for building of the kingdom of God, and so it's a blessing. Um, another thing is uh, respecting one another in the professional realm of ministry uh, is very important because we all do ministry together, and I love that, by the way. I couldn't wait till my children were old enough. Uh, to do ministry. So man, when they were three years old, I got them going. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but no, I, I love the children being a part of ministry. It's just something just unique and special about having your children, watching them. Some of my greatest Sundays is sitting there looking at my kids worshiping God and preaching and, and serving. And I just sit there and I just got to grin ear to ear, just so, so thankful to God of, of what's going on in their life. And, uh, but to do that, you know, you got to respect one another and cause you know, I'm not just her husband, I'm her senior pastor. Can I get an amen? 
And in meetings, you know, it's, it's you know, one of y'all want to chime in on that? Anybody wants to chime in on that? Levi? You know, it's important uh, growing up in this family. It is a dynamic because we are family. So we're at the house together, enjoying ourselves, having fun. But then whenever we do go and begin to minister and play our parts in ministry, there is an, uh, an order. Like he's my dad, but he's also my senior pastor. And she's my mom, but she's also directs our worship team. So it's just always remembering to have respect for those positions that, uh, you know, my, my uh, sister Sarai, she's uh, his executive assistant, so she may be like, hey, look, we need you to go and do this. And it's respecting that position uh, that's given by God. And it's knowing that that is from the Lord and respecting it in that time, that whenever we are uh, in that professional realm of, of doing ministry, that um, we can respect those positions given by God. And then knowing that at home, we're all family, we could just enjoy ourselves and have fun. It's just recognizing uh, those different areas. Sarah, you want to say anything towards that or no? Anybody else? No, we good? Okay, another question is, what are some things uh, we do to keep our family passionate about ministry? Uh, one of the big things is, is you're going to see the bad. Can I get an amen? I mean, the, the church is going to have, you know, the negative side of it. And the thing is, you got to teach them too, that's just life. I mean, that's kind of like someone getting married and, and thinking they're never going to have a disagreement or it's never going to be a struggle. Well, if you want a perfect church, don't go to it right? If you want no problems, don't have anybody. And so you're going to see negative, enough negative. So you really have to let them also realize all the good. Right. And, and, you know, like John Bevere coming and, and hanging out and the kids being able to talk to them. And, you know, you've got, uh, you know, going, you, who was that we just had? David Crowder, David Crowder uh, at our big event. And, you know, the guys being able to hang out with him afterwards and take pictures and and go see the Bucking Bulls and just, you know, have a unique moment there. This conference, being able to travel and come to this conference. Opportunities that we would never have if we wouldn't be serving God. And another thing, we're very quick to share with them the victories. You know, um, you know I know I went to the uh, women's jail and, you know, I was able to share with the girls. I'm like, look, this is what these women are facing. And they were all just weeping at the altar, you know, and so constantly sharing or look because, you know, we get them to maybe they've invested. I know they invested in a church launch that we did, you know, they gave money. And so when they're able to go, we're like, hey, this is part of your fruit, you know, and so constantly showing them the victories that what you're doing, your part counts and it matters. The other thing, Cindy, is getting them involved early. Kind of talk yeah. about that. And so we actually have um, at our church, it's called Blue, Blue Sushi Raw Leadership. And so when they're about in the fifth grade, they're able to go through a leadership course and begin serving in the church. And so we allow our kids to go through that, and then we put them on the schedule serving. And so and just constantly teaching that um, to be others-minded, you know, and it's an honor to serve in the house of God. And so, I mean, there's been times, you know, my little ones, one of mine thought church was home. And I don't know what he thought home was, you know, but he's like, I want to go home. Home was the house. I want to go home, home, you know, um, but just teaching them to love the church and the, the reward and blessing and serving others. And so we allow them to do that as soon as they can. You know, I think, uh, Sarah, why don't you speak to this one? I, I think going to the inner city was a big part of you guys realizing that we've got a good you know, serving in the inner city and how you guys love that, what kind of impact that made in your life? 
Yeah, um, so we uh, had a campus uh, in the inner city. I was from, I was probably served there from when I was about eight to until I was 15. Um, so that was a big part of uh, my identity and just growing up in ministry. And um, it really showed, um, gave, it gave me a picture of, it's not just, oh, I'm a pastor's kid, I get all of these privileges, but actually seeing, I was literally on the front lines of seeing that these kids, they weren't loved. Um, they had girls coming in um, that were just constantly being taken advantage of. And I had relationships with these people and actually getting to know them, getting to know their hurt and realizing that ministry is not just coming to church and putting on a great service. It's actually building relationship with people and just loving them and showing them that, Christ, Christ doesn't just love us. He is love. And so um, having Christ in us and just sharing love with them because that's really, and so for me from the age of eight to 15, like that's all I did. Like I wasn't at a place where I could actually share the gospel. I wasn't that knowledge in being able to lead someone to Christ, but because I was just able to love and they encouraged us, Hey, just smile, just love on them, ask them how they're doing. And just being encouraged in that, that gave me a sense of ownership that I just need to build a relationship with these people. I don't have to be this perfect child. I don't have to, you know, be just like this. I just need to love people and that I was privileged to be able to do that in that environment. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things too is, is our, our heart was to really make sure that all of them had their own relationship with God. So one of the things we do is teach them how to spend time with God. We use the Lord's Prayer and we just teach them straight up saying the Lord's Prayer, doing a, their kids' devotional from church, talking about that. And literally, it takes probably five minutes. But that's where we start with them. And then as they get older, you know, we just we keep going with it. And we put a little meat on that skeleton that's laid out before us. And, and because it's important, guys, listen, they can't, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're not going to stick. I mean, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. And the only way I know to do that is you got to spend time with him. And, in, and not just in a church setting either. You have to really spend time with him. And there are many times when they were struggling uh, that, you know, I, I, I literally would just do the prayer with them. You know, we just sit down and do the prayer with and, and they even struggled in some of that where, uh, Sora, I want you to kind of speak to that at one point in your life where, you know, where you were like super, super woman prayer. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I guess... <laughs> yeah, there was a point in my life to where I just felt like I, I kind of had to find my way and really find who I really had to find God and who he was because growing up when we were younger, like they always, you know, our parents, they'll tell us who he is and how he is, but you have to experience that yourself. And at some point I went through a hard time to where I thought that I had to spend three hours with God every day or else like he wasn't proud of me. And, and basically just like struggle. I struggled with trying to please God by the works instead of just having a relationship with him. And, um, I really just had to trust my dad. I would go to him and just ask him questions and he 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 sat there and he was like okay um 
this is what you need to do when you pray. And if you feel like, you know, if you feel like, you know, it's getting too much, then you can just stop. It's supposed to be a relationship. It's not just a to-do list. So um, that was just one thing that I had to go through and just realizing that that is okay. I mean, your kids aren't always going to be perfect. They're going to have to go through those times themselves and you'll just have to walk through it with them and just guide them in that way. I remember at a time, Sarai, where would, I'd set a clock. I said, you only have an hour and a half. There probably aren't that many people like me that went that extreme, but yeah. <laughs> I said, you have an hour and a half. And she'd say, okay, Nathan. Nathan's another one. You okay with sharing a, few, a little bit of this struggle? You sure? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I went through that same thing. And this actually, a year ago, was it? A year ago, two years ago. And uh, man, it was so rough because like that, like she said, you try to find your way and you think you, you have to have that personal experience because if you don't, you're going to look at God how you hear he is. And usually sometimes you hear, I don't know, some of the consequences that someone else's has gone through and then you'll kind of get the wrong yeah, the wrong idea from that and think that he's some angry person like the man upstairs, the angry God, but it's actually, it's just, I had to find, he had to time me, and it was just a lot of hard times, just had to remember that God, God loved me, and that he actually cared about me, and it was about joy, and about love, and yeah, so. And it was a, it was really a religious spirit that got on yeah. both of these, and, and I'm telling you, you got to be careful with our kids, because that's the environment they're in, that you can get a religious spirit and you just got to be, you know, you got to be aware of that. And so, cause you could be, oh man, three hours. I could go brag. Yes, she's doing three hours. Hallelujah. But that wasn't good. I mean, look, it's, it's good to do three hours. If you're supposed to do three hours that day, can I get an amen? But it was just unhealthy. And I remember a kid coming to me one time and saying, you know, dad, I don't, I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe that God's real. And I didn't holler at him or say, you can't say that or nothing. I say, okay, well, let's just talk about it. And I just walked him through, you know, the, the, how the, you know, where the Bible come from and how it's validated and, you know, how God moves and how the spirit of God and it has to be a revelation in your own heart. And they went away. And uh, I think it was about two days later, they came back and uh, God had talked to them themselves. And, uh, and they fired up for God, you know, to this day. And so it's a cool deal. And then, and lastly, Cindy, is uh, your marriage, guys. Your marriage is very important to your children loving church. I, I'm just telling you, if your marriage does not match what we preach, um, it's one of the things that will turn your children away from church the quickest. Yeah. It will. It turn, you know, it was at a real man, uh, Nathan, Josiah, and, and Levi, uh, we're at a real man, and I asked the boys, impromptu, didn't know I was bringing them up. They came up. I said, share the, you know, what's the one thing that just, you know, just stuck out to you about me as a dad? Because we're talking about father. Remember this, Pastor Pitts? And I was shocked what I heard. You know, I was thinking, you know, oh, dad always takes me, he took me hunting or he took me to ride horses or he took me, you know, we had these opportunities or, you know, we did this. And, and what he said was, you know, what they were communicated was, uh, it was all about how they saw me treat Cindy. Hmm. 
And it's not always, guys, you know, it's not how well you preach. It's, it's how well we do life. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Look, being perfect is not not making a mistake. Being perfect is when you realize you made a mistake, you repent, ask for forgiveness, and you move forward. And and you move forward. And, you know, it's just it's, it's the way it should be. Amen? Well, let's go uh, ask this question to our kids. Uh, what are some key things that help you love the church and the ministry? So I guess for me, mine would be kind of what Sarah said, just growing up at a young age, they started to let us serve. And they always told us, like, it wasn't okay, we have to go to church because you're on schedule and you have to serve. It was like, all right, we get to go serve God. You get to go serve, you know, the kids or wherever we were serving. We, we got to go. It was a privilege. And we got to go show the love of Christ to others. And just being there and letting us, you know, at a young age, go and clean the toilets of the church. And by doing that, there there's this, you know, there's this ownership that you get, and it made me want to take care of the community and the church because I had this love because they just always at a young age told us, you know, this, you don't, you, we're getting to go do this. This is a privilege that God is letting us build his kingdom, and that always just, that's what helped me love the church was that we got, you know, you always told us. We get to go do this, and we get to serve, and serving at a young age and showing the love of Christ to others. Let's go to Josiah, and then we're going to do a rapid fire. Um, I actually wrote down the, the biggest reason that helped me um, love the church and ministry is knowing the true reason why I do it. And the only reason why I do it is to let God move through me and uh, me be an open vessel for him to move through me no matter what it may do no matter what it may be, because a lot of times it's not stuff that you want to do. You just have to be humble and let him move through you. No, no, that's good, man. And, and that's another reason. We always told our kids that no matter, no matter, look, never act right because you're a stermer. Never act right because you're a PK, pastor's kid, because they don't mean nothing. The only, th only thing that means something is you act right because you love Jesus. No other reason. No other reason, just because you love Jesus. All right, we're going to do a quick rapid fire, and then we're going to do some question and answer. So each of you guys are going to rapid fire this, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to get through this so we can do the questions. All right, what do you like most? Let's see. Let's do this one. Uh, why do you – which one you want to do? All right, what do you love most about being part of the family? Um, mine, I thought about it and I was like, I mean, there's a lot of good things, but the main thing is because Christ is centered around everything that we do. Amen. Rapid fire. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but we're all like very different. We're very similar, but we're very different. And I think I love, I think your, our answer, a few of our answers are the same, but just the diversity. Like we're not up here in the same type of clothing. We're not up here with the same backgrounds, even like as the in-laws coming in, you know, they embraced us for who we are. He has dreads. I have a nose ring. We have tattoos. Like, we're different, but we all love Christ. She's straight. <laughs> what? What? No rhythm, just straight. <laughs> Anyways, I love that about the family, that there's so many of us, but we're not clones of one another. We're all different, and we're all unique. 
Honestly, one of the things I love the most about our uh, about being a part of this family is honestly our parents, uh, because the one thing about them is that they're they're so real all the time. Uh, whenever we're at church and they're preaching at these conferences and stuff, the stuff they're saying is the stuff that we see at home, and it's twenty four seven. And that's one of the things that's been the most impactful in my life is seeing them be who they are all the time, and, and I love that. So. Earlier, he mentioned, like, the, the respect that we have, you know, for each other in a work environment. But what I love about the family, too, is we also get to laugh together. And we do this all the time. Like, if we're at home, especially when Peyton, Hannah's significant other, is over and something funny happens, his laugh starts something with, with Pastor Mark, and it goes back and forth. That wheeze that you hear right there... <laughs> And we just roll. And it's, it's awesome, though, because we just get to relax. We watch movies. We hang out. And we just love each other and have a great time together. Amen. Sadie, you want to say something? Sure. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about all of us as a family, it kind of goes off of what Elle had said about our uniqueness, but I think also in the ministry realm because, you know, family does go within the ministry. And I think it's very beautiful that each of us, just as we're all different in fit, like how we physically look, we are also very different in the lanes that the Lord has us in. And so I think it's very beautiful that we champion each other on. And so, like, what I would want to see Levi or Sarai or even Hannah and Nathan accomplish I'll press in and pray for them, you know, and we, we love each other and champion each other on as if it's ourselves. So it's amazing to see that, you know, we're all for each other and we support each other. Amen. Well, let's do this. We're about to have, have to do some question and answers. So before we do that, we're going we're gonna to take a vote. Okay. Who has the coolest hair up here? Okay. We, we got drum the roll, dread anybody? Head, the dreadhead. Okay. No. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Who, who want to do the boys? Who should we, we nominate? Do the guys. Okay. Uh, Levi, I'm not in it, by the way. Levi, come here, Levi. Come here, Kevin Dale. <laughs> come here, Josiah. Come here, Josiah. Okay, we, we, it's going to be a noise deal, okay? All right. Uh, well, here we go. Y'all got me. All right, uh, all right, let's see. How we do it, Cindy? All right, jo Josiah, holler if you think he's got the coolest hair. All right, what, what about little man, Nathan? What about it? Let's go! It's because he's the youngest, that's why. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. What about Levi? <laughs> I'm going home. Hey, hey. Wait, wait, wait. Kevin Dale! <laughs> yeah! All right, Nathan. who got it? Who got it, Cindy? I think Nathan, Kevin Dale, you are a close second, brother. You are right there. We'll do some Q&A for the entire family. Wait till you got the mic, because we are recording this session. Um, so just put your hand up, and we can ask away. We're going way in the back. You want make, I'm going to pull my hamstring. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, if you would, I think a lot of pastors may uh, deal with this as well, being uh, prominent. Uh, everyone knows them in their church, and there's uh, some added pressure on pastors' kids because everyone knows them and they may have more expectation on their life. So th there's different things that they deal with being raised up in the church than some attenders or some, you know, just normal people coming in and out. So could you maybe address or speak to, and it'd be great to even hear from some of the kids growing up, how you handled that pressure or how you uh, tried to keep it as normal as possible. Some tips for pastors that have kids. 
Well, uh, one thing I have struggled with um, just kind of my entire life and growing up is just I had to learn not to care what other people thought because you'll walk up and you'll want to talk with someone and you'll think they'll you'll think oh I know what they're thinking I'm a pastor's kid they're probably like oh this kid we got to deal with him again but usually that even if that's what they're thinking which usually rarely they rarely ever think that honestly I mean Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, you just have to deal with that, and that's that's going to be part of it. People are going to look down on you. Um, some people, yeah, it's just it's going to happen, so you just have to learn to deal with it. And uh, I think another side of it, too, is that it was, it was a good question to bring up because the fact is that people do set higher-level expectation on pastors' kids. Um, but I think one thing that our parents always did is they help us understand that even though we are pastors' kids, we're all called to holiness, no matter who you are. We're all called to live a holy life, and God's standards are, are, and expectations are high for everyone. It's not like some people can do wrong things and some people can't. So it was understanding that, yes, maybe we had more people pu pushing that onto us, but we're all called to holiness. And, uh, and it was just understanding that it was all about, like you said, pleasing God, not about pleasing man. And just they always made sure to tell us that our last name means nothing. Um, we're serving God because we love God, not because we're a stermer. And so when people would kind of push that onto us, like, oh, you get to do that because you're a stermer, you're a PK, we always knew, no, it's because this is where God has called me. He's put this calling on my life, and I'm doing this because I love him, not because my parents are the pastors. And that was really the main, you know, one of the main things. Awesome. We got two questions back here, and then I see a hand up front. I'll come grab um, can you unpack that a little more uh, about the you get to do this? I guess my question would be, and you kind of touched on it, would be how do we guard our children's hearts from being little church local celebrities as well? Because when I walk into the church with my son, uh, I mean, it's it's not like any other place on the planet. People are like, oh, good to see you, and they're like shaking on me. And that would happen anywhere else on earth. Like, you know, so how, how do you guard their heart from, you know, from that? Humility. I would just say, I don't know, like for, I, I didn't grow up in it as much as they did, but I think it goes back to what she said earlier. Our hands were in toilets, like we grew up. So our son, Beniah, runs around and all these random people come up to him. They're like, Beniah! And he's like, I have no idea. And like her daughter the other day walked on the altar in the middle of worship because like, and like she, they, because they're comfortable and they're little, it's okay, it is what it is. They're little celebrities. But you as a parent have to make sure that they're wearing the mantle of humility every time. And you're constantly feeding that to them. And also making sure like if you're going and doing an outreach, have him right there next with you, next to you. You know what I mean? Like, um, He's not just going to run the show. He's going to be in the show, and he's going to be helping, wearing a volunteer shirt. You know what I mean? Like, just get, making sure that they're getting their hands dirty, too, because that's what, that's what we're here for. Right, and we always involve them in outreach and working hard. We taught them to work hard because you're a pastor's kid. You're going to work harder. You know, you work hard. But I remember one of mine was um, just very, you know, sometimes even as a pastor kid, they'll assume oh, well, because this sibling did that or this sibling did that, I'm going to be able to do that. And I remember having to sit down with a couple of them and tell them, look, just because he leads worship doesn't mean that you're going to be promised 
to be a worship leader, and you have to get a grips with that, they, that may not be what God has for your life. And I remember one of mine, I felt their heart just wasn't, they weren't really digging in deep and spending time with the Lord enough. I didn't see them really having a, a passion for worship, but they were sick, talented, you know? And so, they're, you know, they're thinking, hey, I'm good enough to do this. And I had to have that conversation. Your talent doesn't cut it. Until you're in that congregation and you're on your face and you're worshiping, till I see that your heart is in it, you can't do it. It's for your protection. And that's a good point, guys. If you want to see where your kids are, watch them in worship. I'm just saying. You want to see where anyone is, you watch them in worship. Worship will tell you where someone is with their relationship. Uh, sounds like you guys lead a lot as a family. How is that reflected in your church culture? Uh, with Orange D6, can you hear me? We what a lot. Oh, sorry. It sounds like you guys lead as a family. How does that reflect in your church's leadership and your church's model of ministry? There's a lot of movement for like D6 or Orange where there's a lot more parent engagement, family engagement ministry. How does that reflect in your church? Like how have you reflected your family in the rest of your church? Does that make well, sense? One of the things as a leader, um, our job is to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And that means equip everybody. And so God uh, has just thankfully allowed us to have a lot. And so we have a lot of campuses. We have a, you know, a lot of schools. We have a nonprofit. We have a construction company. We have you know maintenance services company. We're in multiple states. And so because we have a lot going on, we need everybody. And, you know, that includes everybody. So just like our campus pastors, you know, our kids aren't the only ones we raise up. And I think when people see that, you know, they're good with it because they realize, you know, he, they're raising up everyone. But I will not apologize for having my children involved with the ministry. And I tell the people that I said, I don't make no apology for that. Where you want, you want them to go smoke dope or something? You know, no, where else would they want to be? You want them in the ministry. And so it's, uh, it's something that, uh, yeah. yeah. And just so you know, like our two older sons, their first job in the ministry was um, hay. Like bailing hay. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, our nonprofit, our nonprofit, we would harvest hay, our nonprofit ministry. And through that hay ministry, we built a children's building in Africa. We built some other projects. We use it for missions projects. So they had to deal like hard man labor. You know, that's not glamorous. Did that answer that? I, Go ahead, well, sir. Okay, a little short thing to add to that. Um, just because, like, so we all serve in ministry, uh, even though, like, we are privileged. So we do get some privileges that not everyone else gets. We were required to go through the same process that anyone else would go through. Um, so I still had to go through the auditioning process, even though she lived with me. She knew I could sing. She knew I could play. I still had to go through the same process anyone else in the church would have to go through to participate. So every level that we're at, we had to go through the same thing that anyone else would be required to go through. So even though some people are like, oh, you get to do that because you're a PK, I can actually say, well, 
Not necessarily. Like I went through, I had to take a really hard class that I could not go through unless I passed the test. And so the only reason that I did get to do this was because I like, I literally have the paper to prove it. And it's not to wave it in one's face, but it's also to show that I worked, like I did work and I had to prove myself to get to where I am. You talked about thoughts of uh, atheism with uh, one of your kids, and um, I'm both a sibling to, as well as a children's minister to uh, kids that have a lot of thoughts about, like, is God really real? Or a lot of times, like, I don't believe God is real. Um, in that respect, do you know of any ways that um, you might be able to guide them through that? I know that as a father, it's a very um, influential role, but as a, a sibling or a children's pastor, um, how would you be able to do that uh, effectively? Well, one is just praying, praying for God to reveal himself to them. Because, you know, when P Peter said, you're the son of God, Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. And so it's praying that God would reveal that to him. But also we show him how the scripture is, you know, the most uh, proven book on the face of the earth. And through archaeology and through science and through everything else. So we just show them, uh, you know, a good movie that that uh, talks about all this. What was that movie? Uh, it's Genesis, Genesis History. Another movie that came out was Case for Christ. You know, so we'll let them watch things like that and let them see that, I mean, this is, you know, ultimately I can give you the knowledge. But at the end of the day, they still, it is still between them and God. They have to get that revelation. And so I think giving them the freedom of that and then show them the fallacy of, of, so what do you believe in? Do you believe in yourself or do you believe, you know, and, and when you show them where Jesus is the only way. And, and, and it's really not a black and white, it's a spirit-led thing. God will just put the right words that you need to say. Sometimes they need to be a little firmer than other times they need to be softer. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes it needs to be a question. Sometimes it needs to be a statement. And it's, it's only through the Holy Spirit guiding us to guide them to Jesus. Um, earlier, you started out talking about the young lady on the airplane who was an atheist. And um, my question, as, you, as you're on a podium and we can look from the audience and we say, well, that's great. You have a successful family. And, but there are people possibly in the, in the audience who are saying, I don't have that success. How do you, or what would you advise in them reaching out to that person who has walked away, that child who has walked away? When they leave here today, how do they go out? What do they do to meet that person or call back that child, restore that relationship? We know prayer is one thing, but from your perspective and the fact that you've been exposed to so many different things, what, do you, what can you give as an advice to that pastor that, that is yearning? in that aspect, in, in that relationship being restored? Well, like you said, prayer, of course, is number one. And then uh, love, you know, letting them sense and feel your love because God loves us no matter what we're doing. He may not be pleased with us, but he loves us. And so you can love someone and not be pleased with what they're doing. I think if we understand that God can do that, so can we. And that's how we love the world. The world's not doing the right things, but we can still love them. And so I, I really think just uh, treating them like we would treat anyone uh, with respect and dignity and love and reaching out to them. And then, and then the other is living out what you say. 
you know, being the example that God's called you to be and, and praying even for God to send other people to be the witness to them because you may not be the one to lead them, someone else may. And, uh, and just stand on the word, you know, and, and, and to do, I sympathize with it. I told the guys that when we came up, so there'd be some families that are in pain and hurting because their kids aren't in that place. And, uh, and our hearts do go out to you guys, and we do pray that God will reach them and will touch them. I believe that your hunger, if you're in that position, you, just you being here and seeking God, God will move on your behalf. Amen. Yeah, um, I guess I think as he was talking, I just thought about like the prodigal son and I, my testimony is not the same as the rest of theirs. So I grew up in church and walked away from the Lord for a while. And I'm sure you've, many of you have uh, seen the room, the movie War Room. That was my mom. My mom was in her, literally in her, I can, I remember hearing her in her closet. Like I was living at home and listening to her wailing and crying for me, crying out for me. Um, and, and like praying that God would just grab a hold of me. And I think for the tangible things, obviously, at the end of the day, it's going to be prayer because God is going to be the only person that can grab that child's heart and can steer him back to him. And then the tangible things is like what he said, relationship. Keep My mom never let me go. She stayed on. I was living at home at the time and I was under her roof. So I had where she stayed on me like white on rice. So she, you know, like she had my phone. She knew my phone things because if your child is in the house, um, I guess if it's out the house, that's a different different story. But if he's in the house, you're the parent. So you can do whatever you want to do. Like I, as the, I'm, I mean, it is what it is. I tell students, like when we were over student ministries, I would say that I'm sorry. Like I understand what you're going through because I trust me, I was there and I probably have dealt with every single thing that you have ever dealt with. But the bottom line is your parent is your parent and what they say goes. I don't, I, what, it doesn't even matter if I don't agree with it, what you say goes. So keeping that relationship, uh, open with them. Um, and any other tangible things that, yeah, just prayer and that relationship, relationship. Mark, Mark and Cindy, because I want you guys to pray for us, like you said, that prayer. So I got one more question here, I think, and then we'll do that prayer, okay? So um, we have a 16-month-old, so we're not, like, too far into the disciplining and stuff where they can really understand. But when we get to that point... How do we, like, discipline in a way that she will both get God but not resent him and, um, like, not think of, because I don't, you know, like, I don't want to discipline her in a way that would be like, well, God is disappointed in me or, you know, you as my Christian parents are disappointed in me and, like, I can never measure up to what God wants type thing. Um, one tool that just was so beneficial to us, it's called Growing Kids God's Way. Um, Growing Families International, write it down, unless you have a great memory. Growing Families International. And they have all, you start from infancy, toddler, uh, 15 months to, you know, adolescence. They have all sorts of resources. And it really teaches you how to train your children in a biblical fashion. You know, applying the scripture um, to them. And so that's that good balanced you know, discipline out of love, solid, solid uh, material. And so that's what we did. And also one of my other favorite resources, it's from Doorpost. It's called Instructions in Righteousness. And it's basically a topical guide. 
And so you'll look through and it'll have every issue you can have with your child, whether it's biting, bullying, lying. I mean, it breaks it down. I like those. I don't want to have to read the whole book when my kid's pitching a fit. I'm like, just tell me what to do with the fit, okay? And so it goes in. You could say, okay, this child, because one thing that we've always done is taking the temperature of our child's heart. If they do something one time, that's one thing. But if they've done it four times, they're becoming characterized by an issue. We need to target it. And so that instructions in righteousness does the work for you. It tells you um, this is why this is a sin. This is what happens if you fall into this sin. This is the blessings if you do the opposite, if you overcome that sin. It gives you scripture verses for them to memorize, and then it gives you projects, hands-on projects that you can do with your kids to implement the, the proper character quality. Amen? Amen. Why don't y'all give these guys a hand clap up here, guys? Woo. Yeah. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray over you guys. Who would say, man, uh, I need some prayer in this area? Raise your hand, right? It's all of us. That's why you're here, right? The, uh, I'm going to get Cindy uh, to pray. Why don't you pray over him, baby? And guys, look, prayer is not empty. Prayer is powerful. And so if you believe, if you believe, look at your neighbor and say, can you believe? If you believe, and you believe God, because remember, it's the grace of God. And then it's us knowing what to do. And so then we have the promise that they'll serve the Lord for the rest of their life. But you got to believe and you got you to stand on faith, stand on Christ. And so just believe that this prayer that's going out is going to make a difference in your life and in your children. And it will. Same thing when we pray on someone to get, to get pregnant. You know, if they don't believe it, it doesn't do any good. But when they believe that they know we have a gift, so they believe in that gift, they believe that God can do it, he does. If you believe that your children could be in a place that they just honor God and bring you great joy, they will. And last thing, don't let people curse your kids. People come up to us all the time. Our kids are small because we walk in a restaurant with eight kids. Everyone looks. And they would all tell us, they would say, ah, you wait, to become, until, you wait until they become teenagers. Say, ah, do not curse my kids. And I'd be rude even. I'd say, do not curse my kids. You do not speak that over my kids. When my kids become teenagers, they're going to be my best friends. And we're going to change the world together. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Lord God, you see every child that is represented in this room. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand of protection will be upon these children. Father, Lord God, that you would just increase these parents' anointing to parent their children, oh God. Father, to minister to their children, to meet the needs of their children, Father. Lord God, I pray, Father, that they will begin to see into their children just as you see into them. Father. Lord God, that they would see the struggles and that you would give them the wisdom to overcome those struggles. Father, Lord God, that you would give them the love, Father, that they need to go through the hard times. Lord God, we believe in the name of Jesus that right here in this room, that warriors, warriors for your kingdom will be raised up, yeah. mighty men and women of God, to claim yeah. territory for your kingdom. We rebuke 
rebuke the enemy. We rebuke any attack that the enemy would plan to have on these children in the name of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood over every child that is represented in this room. Lord God, that you would call them, that your anointing will be upon them, that they will wear the cloak of humility, God, and that they would honor Jesus Christ every day of their life in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for the days when that parent is weary. Those days that they are weeping over their children, God, that you would be there. That you would breathe on them. That you would give them peace and the strength to move on. To keep going. To keep fighting. So that they would fight the battle so their children won't have to fight them. We pray all of this and believe this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone say, amen.